LSG Media presents a Game of Thrones podcast. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am Dean. I am joined by Jessica, and this is our season six premiere. We're kicking things off. We are going to get cracking. We are ready. I hope you are ready because I'll tell you, we've been dying to get back to this. Jessica and I have recently rewatched season five. We've been really waiting for this. We had a nice little premiere party at our place, watched the episode. I was so fired up after uh, Brienne of Tarth gave a sword lesson to those treacherous Bolton fucks. Oh, I'm very excited. Now, we're going to swear. We're going to spoil stuff, at least in this episode. We're not going to, we don't know any spoilers beyond this because I have not read beyond this and neither is Jessica. So we don't know shit outside of the episodes we're watching. So anything we speculate as to is pure speculation. And uh, that's it. The way we normally do this, Jessica, is what? We go a little opening thoughts. We yes. go from place to place. We get to some listener comments. And then we get into some uh, final thoughts, which. Uh, that's how we do it. Yeah, it is. And then we're done. If you are uh, new to the show, we record live on Mixler. So we're currently recording live. Mixler, M-I-X-L-R dot com slash L-S-G dash media. That's Mixler.com slash L-S-G dash media. We will keep you updated as to when the live recordings will happen via our website, which is LibertyStreetGeek.net. We have a recording times and a podcast release schedule posted it's not posted too far in projection because we still have full-time jobs over here. So we have to work around that schedule as best as we can. And uh, I really like doing these a little bit earlier. One of the benefits of Jessica being on the East Coast with me, unlike Matthew, who's on the West Coast, we got to go a little later. But uh, we tend to get a nice turnout when we do earlier on the East Coast time. So thanks to everyone who turned up in chat. I am ready. Jessica. Yeah. I want you to tell me right now, the credits rolled, and what stood out as the most shocking thing to you in this episode? We're gonna we're mixing it up. I'm mixing up the opening thoughts. I I think the most shocking thing. I mean, it's easy to say the red woman stuff because I get it. That was shocking, and people are like, "What the fuck?" But I think what's equally shocking to me is just the mass murder of the Dorn. Like goodbye to all of them. Goodbye. Is Alaria Sand running door now? I don't know. I don't she know. She might be. But I'm glad your opening thoughts went there because mine are there too. The most shocking thing to me, outside of those real wrinkly old saggy body, which we're all destined to have, assuming we live long enough. Uh, so don't judge, bitch. Uh, you know, if you were a guy, just guy, I'd ask you, would you poke the old version of the red woman for a chance of poking the younger version of the red woman? And the answer is, is no. You wouldn't. Oh, no. You wouldn't do it? Too Come gross. on. If it was like Marjorie Tyrell, maybe. Oh, all right. Well, I just forgot to throw it out there. Maybe the chat can uh, can, can answer that for me. But I'll tell you, I... Uh, would w- you? Um, I don't know if I would trade on a one-to-one ratio. It'd have to be like, I bang the old broad who looks like she haunted Salem, Massachusetts. I thought she looked like she was from The Shining. <laughs> like, uh, yes! Made it with Jack Torrance. Uh, <laughs> that laugh? That is her! You're absolutely right. Um, it would have the, the, the poke. It'd have to be. I don't know. I might even go one for five. I might even do a one colon five ratio on that. Poke the old broad once. I get five pokes at the young broad. 
I might do that. And she can have a little shadow baby that smites my enemies for me. I don't know. That would be nice of her. I guess. I guess that's a possibility. But uh, yeah, we got a lot, of talk, a lot to talk about today, but um, I'm looking forward to it. I too am shocked by Dorn, and it's perfect because I think we're leading off with Dorn as we were just discussing before we started recording, right? I think so. Get okay. it out of the way. Get it out of the way. <laughs> really? I don't love Dorn. You know I don't love Dorn. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of hate for Dorn from people who've read every book. Um, I don't even care about reading the books just from watching the television show. I didn't like Dorn. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, um, let's get into it. So where did we leave Dorn last season? Ilaria bending the knee, kissing the ring. I'm so sorry. You're right. We can't be like this. Send the girl home. Give her a kiss. Oh, wait a second. She's fucking dead. Mm-hmm. So their daughter gets the old gold shroud, right? Yeah, she does. She gets it, gets the old death, and uh, dies on the deck of the ship, well, below deck. Yeah. And um, wow, that was shocking. And then we see, I just watched the end of that episode again, because there's some logistical concerns here for Dorn. Oh, what do you mean? You're talking about Tristane and why he is where he is? Yep, we're going to talk about that. Okay, just want to make sure we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about that. Uh, I rewatched that just to make sure, and here's what I remember. Well, here's what I just watched, so this is a fact. The ship that they set sail on when they left for King's Landing away from Dorn was way out there. It was way out there, and all the women were standing in like these sundresses. Yes, on the on the dock. Mm-hmm. What's your name's node started started to bleed. The Laria. one of them hands him the thing. They're drinking. They're all there, all of them, every one of them in totally different clothes. Yes. Okay. The ship is gone. Mm-hmm. Now in Dorne, we need to talk about Tristane's death. But we have to talk about Doran's death. We have a lot of stuff. All first. kinds of stuff. But just note that that is exactly where everybody left off in case you were a little bit fuzzy. I know a lot of you like Game of Thrones. You watch it, but you no, might not remember the actual scene blocking there and who was where and where the ship was. I'm here to assure you it was out there. And we we might be looking at a case of fuckery. I don't know if it's class A. We're going to get to that. We're going to have to do some investigatory work before we make an, uh, before we put a case together and grand jury these bitches. All right. So let's start with Alaria's treachery. Why don't you take me through this? Okay. So Alaria's walking door and all cool. One of the sand snakes is with her, who, by the way, her hair has grown out a significant amount for the um, approximately, I don't know how long we are since the end of the last episode, but not long that's enough for a, her hair um, to have grown out. That's actually a racial trait of the Dorn. The hair grows fast? <laughs> yeah. It says that by the time the ship reaches King's Landing, you'll gain four inches in mm. hair. It wasn't quite four inches, but it was definitely longer. Okay. Well, we're going to pretend. Cute. Yeah. Anyway. Well, hey, what are you going to do? So Laria, Laria brings Dorn to his wheelchair slash throne. I'm not quite sure what it's supposed to be. And I think it's <laughs> everything. I think they were trying to be practical. They're trying to save. They're like, we pay so much for these water gardens. We must make sure that the throne and the chair is the same thing because we cannot spring for the both. Something like that. Basically. Okay. Um, some bro arrives with a scroll, which says Marcella is dead. And as soon as the scroll is handed to him, you see the sand snake kind of look at, I can't remember the names of the sand snakes. Little I'm wink, sorry. wink, little wink, She kind of looks at Alaria. They kind of look at each other. And we know that shit is about to go down here. And the crazy part is, it's not like it's these women against the world because the guards just stand there and watch and do nothing. Right. With the exception of Hota. Yeah, who, who dies first. With a small blade. But let's go ahead and just assume that poison is the case here. I don't mind. Listen. There are some people on the internet being like, Hoda is amazing. He's a great fighter. Guess what? He got backstabbed, bitch. Doesn't matter. 
I didn't you can see be him a, do much great. You can be a great actually. soldier and just take a fucking mortar round and you're done. You're done skis. And uh, that's what happened here. He just got backstabbed. It sucks. Although you could argue he should have been a little more aware of the sand snakes crowding around this guy. But I mean, were they convinced last season? Were they convinced that Ilaria was truly repentant for what she did? They were convinced enough to let her see Marcella off at the dock, which was pretty fucking stupid. Fact. So I'm pretty sure that um, Prince Duran is not a very smart gentleman. He has not, not, not done much to gentleman. show me that he's very smart. No. Perhaps he has gangrene of the brain. Does that happen? I don't know. I don't know. If or want to know. Can you get that? I don't, hmm. I don't well, want to know. Well, he's frail and, and incompetent and weak. And I think that's the whole point here, right? Sure. So... We got some stabby stab stabs, a real nice heart stab. Love that. And Bang, right in the heart. Constant complaining about, oh, Elia Martell was raped and murdered and Dor- and Oberon was butchered. Okay. I've already heard the Elia Martell story a million fucking times. I Are get it. Are you sure? Did, did, did Oberon mention it when he was fighting the mountain? I'm pretty sure he mentioned it so many times that he fucked up and got himself killed in a fight to the death that he volunteered to go in. So like, is missing this. Okay, like, so what next. you're telling me, let me just see if I'm following you, okay? So what you're telling me is, is that when you have a six foot nine man who weighs over 300 something pounds, who's a massive giant fighter who's killed many, many people with his brutal strength, don't taunt him, just finish him is what you're telling me. Don't yeah. tell him about the whole Ilaria thing. He was there. Hey, yeah, come, we got it. He come to find out, he raped them and murdered them. He was there, he remembers. Oh yeah. Okay. I get it. I'm and we just, all I'm, we all know. We get it. I, I'm being I'm being harsh. I love Oberyn, and I Me miss too. him. I miss dearly. him every day. I'm looking at my Oberyn bobblehead right now in the distance and smiling. Yeah, it's something worth smiling about. Well, yeah, it is. Okay, so those two reasons aside, let's talk about her other reasons. Which I'm going to go ahead and defend Ilaria. Never thought I'd say this. Never thought I'd say this. Sure, go ahead. For her reasoning as to why she wanted the prince gone, her words are, "You don't know your own people." They discuss, they're disgust for you. You did nothing. You're not a Dornishman. You're not their prince. Your son is weak, just like you. Weak men will never rule Dorn again. Okay. Now, I like how that sounds on paper, but here's what I don't understand. Here's okay. what I don't understand. Why, if, if, this, is, if this is how Laria feels, why is she, how, why aren't we seeing this, right? In other words, when you see Dorn, you see this lavish, Rich, beautiful place. Mm-hmm. The people aren't toiling. Oberyn spoke so highly. We do not torture little girls in Dorne, right? Except All the shit we've seen. And what I don't understand is, is that is 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 it really just this thing going back to Ilaria? Because make no mistake about it. Do you remember when Oberyn and Ilaria were in Littlefinger's brothel, and he hears Reigns of the Castamer being sang? Mm-hmm by those men, and he gets up. And she's like, no, no, don't. She wasn't like, yes, let's kill them. She's like a completely different That's character, and this is what turns me off right. about a lot. So what we're trying to believe is that she starts this whole military coup just to get rid of Prince Doran because of Oberyn's death. Because it doesn't appear that Dorne is fucked up. No. Dorne seems fine. I could see if it was like, uh, like we're going to get to Alistair Thorne. But I could see there's a tinge of reason in Alistair going, he's going to destroy us, he's letting the wildlings in, blah, 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 right? I can see based on their interactions and how shitty the wall's doing. I can, I, I almost get that, even though he's wrong too. But there, it's like, 
You terrible leader. Our people are fat and full. They have the sun on their face. They have full Bang coffers. They want. They fuck all day. You terrible leader. I'll kill you for creating this paradise. Right? Like, that's what I'm supposed to believe here? I think Dorn's got pretty little to complain about. Can I just throw it out there? <laughs> My wine glass is only half full, Mando Tori says. <laughs> right? Like, what Dorn, are they? Dorn, Dornish problems. You know how they say, like, white people problems? It's like Dorn problems. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my lover got into a fight with a giant man where he needled him and needled him and needled him instead of killing him until he got killed himself. Right. So I will now bring down the leader of my country and probably start a war. Yeah. Now, a couple things. Go. The men, she's right. The men do nothing. They watch rather passively as this man is executed before their eyes. That's the only proof that we have. That is it. Because otherwise, Hota seemed loyal. He didn't seem disinterested. Everybody seemed loyal to them. Everybody seemed okay. It was just that Ilaria seemed to have this real anger towards Oberyn's death and how nothing was done about it. And we've never seen anything other than these guards just standing there to indicate that anybody has had a problem. That's what I'm saying. Like, I know I get it. People don't like Doran. He's kind of like a puss and like very weak. And we get that. Like, I understand that that is how he has been described to everybody. That's how they talk about him in King's Landing. But there's never been any indication that people are that upset other than Alaria. Right. right. So are we to believe that Alaria has somehow gotten everybody else on board or that everybody always was on board? Because it seems like the only turning point is this death of Oprah Martel. Yes. Which he, by the way, love him more than life, kind of asked for. Right. He put he, himself in there. He went into it was the, a legal battle. Hey, guys, when you go into the ring with a mountain, two things are going to happen. You're going to win or you're going to die. One of the two. So there's a 50-50 chance here of you not making it out of that. And you hope Alari does not go to war. Now, listen, I understand that there is no love between Dorne and the Lancers. Jamie says it. We've heard it in the past. We knew that when, 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 Oberyn, went, when Oberyn first appeared in season four, there was tension. Tyrion's like, oh, fuck. Right? That we know right. that there's no love here between these two people. But still, it's, uh, it, it's forcing me to believe it. Now... I'm going to go ahead and flip a little bit here because the I don't know anything about the book, but I'm going to go ahead and say, if this doesn't happen, what happens to Dorne? Nothing. It's irrelevant. If if Ilaria bends the knee to Prince Doran and nothing happens. Interesting. Joins the fucking small council. Right. And then suddenly Dorne's in the mix of shit. Yeah, he is. But are we going to... We don't care about Dorne politics unless we're going to spend time in Dorne. They, they become irrelevant outside of Tristane being there. Right? Yes. I mean, Dorne wasn't relevant. We didn't care about Dorne in oh, season never. four. We cared about Oberyn. And, I still and care guess about what? Dorne in season six. And guess what? Tristane isn't going to make us that much, that interested in Dorne as it is. So they kind of, I almost feel like, are they in a, are they in some sort of pickle in their writing? Did they have to say, how do we get them into the mix? We just start, a, war with we start a, a military, not even a military coup, just an assassination coup. And then we, we got this whole thing going. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. So I part of me feels like, okay, are we going to now put Dorn in the mix? Is Dorn going to get into some shit here? Are they now going to whatever? Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about Tristane's death, the logistics here, and let's talk about a mysterious note. Okay. Now, if you go online. I, I know, and I, I started to read. I tried to read too many of the comments and get crazy before the episode because I don't want my opinion to be swayed, but mm-hmm. I do skim through everything. 
and I saw that somebody was trying to explain that there was this like note thing that explains how Tristane was not where we think he is, but I'm still confused. So okay. explain it to me. Okay. So Jamie sent that note. Jamie Lannister. Oh, I thought you were talking about like a listener. I'm like, some what who wrote this to me? No. Explaining it. Okay. So Jamie sent a note. Yes. There is an image of it. I'm going to link, I'm going to drop it right in the chat right now. So you can open it up. If you scroll down, it says the following. Hold on, let me drop it in the chat. Can I do that? Here we go. People in the chat, just so you can grab it too. The note reads, The Princess Marcella died by poison on our return journey. I suspect Ilaria, not you, but my sister will demand war. This is Jamie referring to Cersei. I doubt Ilaria's head will appease her, but it is a star along with your nieces. Your son cannot stay in King's Landing. I'm sending him back on the same ship. Um, why didn't I see that note in the episode of television I watched? Stupid. Big mistake. I'm really fucking confused. Because if I saw that note, I would be a little less confused, but still somewhat confused because was Tristane still on the ship when he died or was he already back in Dorne? Based on what he's saying there, I sent him back. So here's what I think happened. Okay. If, and this is total speculation. I have no evidence of this. Now, if this is the case, maybe... So you, that type, first of all, that type of ship does not dock directly on a dock. It'll run aground. It's too big. So they use those dinghy boats. Like whenever they go to the dock, you see that there's a big ship out there in the ocean and then they, they row in because the ship's too big. You, you'll run it aground, right? So you row out. So here's my thought process. The boat, you saw the boat where it was. Jamie rows out. He rows in with Marcella's body. Yeah. The other ship leaves with Tristan on it. So so Cersei never gets a chance at grabbing him because she would never let him go. So maybe Jamie rows in. I'm just making shit up here. Jamie rows in. He tells the other ship to set sail home. Yeah, he, Cer- he Cersei would kill Tristan in a second. On the spot. The ship sails home. Same thing happens. Maybe he gets out. Maybe he gets home to Dorne and the Sand Snakes row out to him okay. and they sneak on board and just kill him. I'm fine with that. That's my only idea that I have here. I'm fine with that, except for the part that I didn't see that fucking note. So how is I, I supposed agree. to know? I'm not a psychic. I agree. I agree. It's it's silly. I don't. I'm totally with you there. I'm totally with you there. <sighs> so whatever. Tristan gets killed. Totally wasn't expecting that. But yeah, I mean, not in this manner by any means. But if I'm going to make excuses for the show, that's the only thing I can think of is, is that it, the, the, the dinghy rose out. He dispatches Tristane to go home. He says, it's not safe for you here. I know you're not responsible. Obviously, he loved the girl. Boom, sends him back. And then that's that. They're gone. Yeah, people in the chat are asking why he was painting the rocks for Marcelo, like the eyes. And I had a similar question. I don't know why he was doing that either if he wasn't with her body. He, he was painting like, you know how they put the rocks over the eyes? He yeah. was painting those. That's how the scene opens. And I Oh, were I those like eye rock, b- yeah, burial that's what he rocks was doing. for the eyeballs? That's what I assumed. Like they did for uh, Tywin there? Right. That's that's what they do. So I assumed that he was painting that because he was, you know, going to go see his beloved at her funeral or whatever, her wake. I don't freaking know. Yeah. Um. So that is weird, too, if he was already back. Right. Keith suggests it could be a, a morning thing. Possible. Maybe he's carrying out the ritual without actually having the body. Sure. I don't know. I don't know. They dropped the ball. They dropped the ball. That's all. It's dicey. It's dicey. No question. Now, let me ask you this. Do you become more interested in in Dorne now that this has happened? Nope. Not at all. Nope. See, I am. (laughs) (laughs) I I hate Dorne. I'm sorry. I am am more interested now that this shit's going on. 
that now that we have a conflict here, a major, major conflict, because the alternative was slap on the wrist, everybody's hunky-dory, and Prince Doran lives out the rest of his days, and that's it, you know? I just, to me, Alaria and the Sand Snakes, which I wished that they could, but they don't carry a plot line for me. I'm not that into them. Right. Yeah, listen, <laughs> let's let's make no mistake about it. I'm not asking us to devote a lot of attention to them unless they get mixed up with the rest of Westeros politics. That's just the way the show is. If you're not tied up in the Westeros politics, I don't care, right? Yeah, unless you're tied up in like the Danny politics out in Marine. Listen, Lord Royce, not interested. He's in Westeros. He's got Rob and Aaron. Don't care. Not involved in the politics. You got to get him involved in the politics if you want me to care about him. That's that. Yeah. It's true. So that finishes that off. Do you think the Lannisters, do, do you think Dorne's going to send troops? Do you think they're going to try to, to to go to war? Yeah. Do you think they're going to try to go to war with the Lannisters? Do you think Cersei is not going to try to go to war? I'm asking you, what do you think? There, There's going to be a, a, a scuffle for sure between How, the two. Do you think Jamie's going to support that? Yeah, because he loves Cersei and he said, hold on. Um, but but what about the what note? He say? I know what he said, but what about the note? Oh, yeah, I know. See, Jamie's kind of like, you know, sometimes he's like, Cersei, I love you. I'll do anything for you. But he's like, but also secretly, I'm going to free our brother that you want dead so we can kill our father and send her staying back home and right. warn He Prince tries Dorn. to appease her without... Because he knows she's cray. Yeah. But he loves her anyway. Lone Star Kid in the chat says, Dorn's too far. I suspect ninja assassin shit. I agree. Because you can't march, you can't march from Dorn all the way to... Because you, you're going through Tyrell. I mean, you're going through different lands. You're going through... You yeah, know. valid point. Maybe Dorn's like, hey, what's going on there, House uh, Tyrell? We know you got some... You're pretty pissed at Cersei for what she did. Maybe we join forces. Maybe they're going to hook up with the Tyrells. I'll be the anvil, you be the hammer, and we just smash the Lannisters, maybe? Maybe. Mm, maybe we'll they see. hook up the Tyrells. It's possible. I do like the idea of them doing some assassin shit, though. That's exciting to me. Sure, maybe. We need to talk about Cersei's reaction. Yeah. Jamie returning. Let's. Excellent acting here. Oh my God. That's what I wrote in my notes. This is incredible. From the second she hears the ships there, she gets so excited. She's like giddy. She's giddy. I wrote that in my notes. And then when she sees Jamie's face, the, the way her face drops when she realizes that, you know, Marcella's gone is incredible. The image it, of Jamie on the boat standing on the on the on the bow of the boat just coming in and you can see the casket or the box wherever they have her in with the with the you know the fabric yes. draped over it. Boy, that is intense. And you, and then we later we hear the bell tolling. Boom. It's it's. Lena Headey is an amazing actress because she is able to convey this range of emotions so quickly without saying a word, without doing anything, just with her face. Mm -hmm. It's very it's very powerful. As is this whole her conversation conversation with Jamie is wonderful as well. The things that she says about Marcella are are very emotional and well done. Talk about a very aware moment for Cersei. One of the things Cersei has done for for five seasons is, is that she's always claimed some kind of moral high ground yes. in the name of something else. Yes. In this scene, she really comes undone and is honest about, she, I might, 
I am a monster. She, I mean, she's grappling with these ideas. She was good. I don't know where she came from. She was nothing right. like me. No meanness, no jealousy. Maybe I'm not a monster, question mark. She says, and this isn't exactly word for word, but this is the closest of me watching it really qu- quickly with all the subtitles on. Um, She was so good. From her first breath, she was sweet. I don't know where she came from. She was not like me. No meanness, no jealousy, just good. I thought if I could make something so good, so pure, maybe I'm not a monster. That's not an exact quote, but that's basically yeah. it. Yeah, you're, you're, you're paraphrasing perfectly. And then, and then it goes on. This is uh, an incredible thing, the way she says it. The fact that she feels this way. This is something we've never heard from Cersei questioning her morality. That indeed. She indeed. is this monster. And I wonder if this has to do with what she just went through with the High Sparrow. And being in prison all this time and being shamed and all of this. Has this changed Cersei? Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Because this is a, a real revelation for the audience. It's a real revelation for the person at home. You're sitting on your couch. You got one hand, you know, halfway down your pants. You got the other one in the pretzel bowl. And you're like, holy shit, right? You can't believe that she's saying this. And then to get to your point where this whole thing with the high sparrow, we spin around a little and she starts talking about prophecy. Yes. Okay. Now, I don't know if what she experienced with the high sparrow made her believe in the prophecy more because they're all sort of religious mysticism. I don't know if I don't know if her experience made her really reflect on that moment with that, you know, hot but kind of dirty witch. Now <laughs> and and Jamie's like, listen, fuck prophecy. We're the only ones that matter. We're gonna take everything back and more. We're gonna take everything there is. You know, he's mad. He's I hurt. like this too. I like Jamie's lines here. I like his undying, you know, loyalty that he swears to Cersei here, you know, saying that they are gonna get everything back. So it is Cersei is a little different, but I don't think it changes that Cersei is gonna fuck fools up that oh, fucked yeah. with her. Oh yeah. And yeah. and Jamie now having the conversation he had with Marcella, having lost everything he's lost, so so much has been taken from him. It, you know, he lost his hand. He wants to be with Cersei. He's not supposed to be. His father's gone. His brother's off somewhere doing God only knows what. His brother's gone. Right. Not not ever going to side with the Lannisters again. No. Jamie and Tyrion are going to be on the opposite sides of battle at some point. It's pretty tragic, but I like it. And Cersei is all that he has. He had this daughter this this who was going to accept him for this thing that no one has accepted him for his entire, you know, since he's been banging his sister, she was like, yeah, your incest is cool. We're all good. And now she's dead. Mm. Yeah. You, you know, you make a lot of sense here when you, when you stop, you know, Jamie has not been a sympathetic character for the entire run of this show. He pushed Bran out the window. He stabbed Ned in the leg. I mean, Rape he, Cersei. He, he, he wasn't a sympathetic character for a long time. And then things changed when Jamie got his right hand cut off. That to me, was the most devastating blow that he could have suffered to that point. Yes. Because Jamie is a knight. Jamie is a knight who is a great knight, a great fighter, legendary. Vago took his hand, or Vargo, can't remember, Hote, that guy, H-O-A-T, took his hand, and now he's going to learn with his left hand. He's not as good. He's like, holy shit, I'm on top of the world. Now I ain't, now I'm nothing. Now I have nothing. I love my sister, so I'm not going to continue the family line. So my father's not down with me. I mean, technically, continue the family line. I, I have this. I'm, <laughs> I'm in. The, <laughs> keep that shit pure. <laughs> These are real Lannisters. Say hello to your aunt, mother. Um, and then, and then he, uh, and then he, he's 
he loves his brother Tyrion, which puts him at odds with the other person he cares about, his sister. Mm-hmm. And then his father gets killed. And then the whole thing with him. And then his, he, he watches his son die of fucking poison, that little prick. And then Marcella gets killed. And now, I mean, Jamie has lost as much as anyone. Yeah. He's lost You're as correct. much as anyone. And I sometimes wonder, what is it that fuels him at this point? His, his loyalty to Cersei, his love to Cersei. Does he even care about the Lannister name? I, you know, he's he's intriguing to me. Jamie's an intriguing character for the position he finds himself in. Yeah, I think that there's so much you can do with Jamie's character. And I want to say that he's not killable right now, but mm-hmm. everybody's killable, I've learned. He jumped into a fucking bear pit for the Amazon woman, right? Yeah. He's had some surprising moments, this guy. And I, I, wonder, I wonder how things are going to go. And let's be real. Everybody who's listening right now, every fucking week that the brand storyline came on, right? Everybody, all of you listening right now, everybody in chat would go, oh, fuck. Get back to something interesting. What storyline? Bran. Oh, yeah. Right? So deep down inside, you wish Jamie would have just pushed him a little harder. So So he listed forward. And when he fell out of that tower, right where they were up there banging, you wish that little brand fell around on his head, don't you? Last season was so beautiful when don't he wasn't you guys? there. You guys wish that little kid fell on his head now. Admit He's going to be back, though. You would have been, you would have secretly, publicly, you you, you phonies, you would have publicly chastised Jamie, but deep down, where people don't want to talk in the shadows, yeah, you would have if, been thanking him Jamie for ending that storyline. If Jamie hadn't pushed him out of the window, then we wouldn't have to be watching him be dragged around and out in the woods and looking for three-eyed ravens, blah, 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 hanging out with the reeds who no, you know I hate is, more than life. Don't you wish you would have maybe pushed him and the kid tumbled down with a dagger in his chest. <laughs> I would have known that I was going to have to hang out with Jojen Reed for a season. Probably. Oh, shit. <laughs> Fuck Jojen Bran. Reed. Bran. He's going to be badass, though. I'm, I'm having that feeling. Uh, I wish I had that feeling, but I don't. Well. Cersei doesn't place the blame on Jamie. I'm going to be honest with you. That was legitimately shocking to me. I think we're seeing a different Cersei. I was shocked when she didn't get mad at him. She's blamed him for everything else. Uh huh. You couldn't protect this one. You couldn't protect that one. And this, so ba 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 ba. And you let Tyrion go, ba 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 ba. Right? I don't blame you, Jay- Jamie. I mean, I think we're really seeing a power couple here, and I think they could go deep into the game. And I'm just glad that their <laughs> love story is so fucking beautiful and romantic. Yeah. Every time I think of him- They've known each other their whole lives. It's just fucking beautiful. They were definitely high school sweethearts, going to be honest. Every time I think of him running that shame spear across her butt cheeks right before he takes her from behind, I mean, I get pumped. I shout. I pump my fist in the air. I think incest is making a comeback. I think incest is making a fucking comeback. Like, for real. I think so. I think you're right about that. They Lifetime made flowers in the attic into a movie. We got Jamie and Cersei, the world's best power couple. Incest power couple. What can you do? Yep. They're going to go deep in this Game of Thrones. Well, King's Landing is done. Let's actually, well, let's get to Marjorie. Yes, let's do, this is brief because not much happens. Marjorie's with the annoying nun. They want her to confess. The high sparrow comes in. He's like, hey, Tommen misses you. The bond between a man and wife, blah, 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 blah. He wants Marjorie to confess. She doesn't want to confess. And... He basically says she started down the path. She has many miles to go. The High Sparrow is a sanctimonious prick. I'm so sick of him. I, like, who, fuck you, dude. I, this guy's the worst. I hate these holier-than-thou religious people. They make me want to puke. 
I don't. Now that Cersei. Are you saying you're without sin? Go fuck yourself. No, I'm not saying that. None of us have it. But who are you to lock me in this place? How about you get down on your knees and you fucking beg for forgiveness since you're a sinner too, you son of a bitch. I just hope we're going to really wrap up this High Sparrow stuff soon. Now that Cersei is not being affected and she's out, it can only be a matter of time. We'll see. I don't know. Marjorie, I don't see Marjorie getting out with Jamie and Cersei back in control of King's Landing unless Tommen demands it. Doubling down on the Tyrell death still. Wow. Strong move. All right, let's take out our little uh, map here of Westeros and figure out where we're going to go next. We're just going to do a brief look at another very short thing called Bravos that'll take oh, literally so two minutes so to talk about. So we're going across the sea to Essos. That's what my notes say right here. All right. So um, what do we got here? We got... Arya's blind. Arya's blind. Wearing contacts, by the way, not CG. She said it. she wanted it because it looked better and they are very uncomfortable. Can she see with them? Uh, not really. That's cool. Now... I played I played a blind person in a play once, and when I used to like practice, I would like walk with my eyes closed. Were you, who was it, Ray Charles? No, no, I don't know. well, I don't know. Just asking. I don't know who you were. Blind person playing the piano. It was a blind hag, like a hag, a hagatha. That's right. So you basically were like the old version of the Red Woman. Yeah, except blind. Did you have? And any... I wore clothes. Oh, did you have any lines? Um, yeah, a few, but not many. Give me your baby. Basically, and stuff like that sounds pretty scary. All right. So uh, that bitch arrives, they fight with a stick. She says, I'll see you tomorrow. That's pretty much all happens. Yeah. Is, are, can I ask a question? Um, a serious question right sure. now. Is it going to be two episodes of her getting her ass beat? Yeah. And then what? She's then gonna they're going to accept her back into the house of black and white. That's what we're doing. We're let leading me, up to this. Blah, blah. Just skip it and let her back in the house. Let me ask you this. Is Arya going to toss that sword into the river? Into the no. bay? You don't think so? No, I still don't. She, she can't. What's Arya's fate, Jessica? Guess. Oh, God, I don't know. I feel like it's so up in the air. I really don't know what's going to happen with Arya. But she's just so disconnected from everything else that it makes um, it makes her story less interesting to me now. Yeah. Like, I understand. It's interesting. The stuff in Bravos is interesting. Learning about the faceless men is interesting. But I like my Arya as Arya Stark, not becoming no one. I, I, I want her out of Bravos. I want her back in, you know, in the West, hanging out with bros that I know. Gotcha. I know it's probably not ever going to happen, but I hope whatever she's doing while she's in Bravos is going to put her back in the plot with everybody else. Yeah. For, for Arya's payoff to be significant to us, she has to kill somebody very crucial to the to the story. It, it has to be like a dagger in Jamie's back or Cersei's back or, or, or something big. It has to be fucking major. Yeah. For all of this, for her to go through all of this to kill... Meryn fucking Trant. It's got to be somebody else on her death list. And it's maybe someone like Cersei. Maybe that's our way down the road eventual payoff. I guess, but I don't know. Because it's got to be someone from our death list too, right? Because that's all we hear about. Yeah, I guess. We'll see. I'm not sure. So that's pretty, that's much, pretty that. much that. All right. Let's stay in this area of town and talk about Marine and what's going on there and what's going on with our men on their journey and what's going on with Danny. Let's right, do we'll, it all. We'll start at Marine. Let's do it. So Varys and Tyrion are taking a walk. Just chilling. They're the power couple that I care the most about, yeah. honestly. Yeah, it's starting a little, it's a little bit pointless for a minute. And then um, we have this cute moment. And, you know, it might be beyond cute, though, where Tyrion, his grasp of the Valyrian tongue is not good. This woman that he's offering a coin to thinks she's tr- that he's trying to buy her baby so he can eat it. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I like it. But it could be deeper. It could be Vera saying, you got a lot to learn here mm-hmm. in a simple sense. You're 
what seems to be a kind gesture may be taken as a threat. Right. I think that's the subtext here. Your kind gestures might be taken as threat. So you have to be careful here in Marine. Watch your step. There's plenty to learn. Correct. And then they go on to talk about their queen's popularity and how there's a shift of power here because the people feel, the people that supported her feel like she's abandoned them. And that's what we learn when they walk up on that red priest guy talking to all those people. And even before that, where it said, kill all the masters and someone had written Misa is a master talking about Danny. Right. That I mean, that's, that's a serious insult to her. Absolutely. She would not like that. Fear has brought Marine to a standstill. We can't fight an enemy we don't know. Ferris is the shit. He is the shit. He also tells Tyrion that there's no leader to this, that there's a leader to this resistance. This is the most important part yes. of this, I feel. 100%. Is that the Sons of the Harpy got their point. orders from someone else, and Varys says his birds are on it. This really interests me. You know why it interests it me? It really interests me. Why does it interest you? Because this could be from anywhere, and we could be bringing more things together that we don't even, haven't even thought about. Could be from who? Here's what, you want to hear my long shot? Go. Dario? Oh, you think Dario's bad? Maybe. I, uh, did did we talk about that in our um, recap? It's it's been coming up, up a little chat? bit, and I've been giving thoughts to it because the leader matters. There, there. This scene between these two, Varys, my little birds, will tell us who soon enough. Right. Th- this is uh, this is kind of neat. I I like the idea of it's not going to be some guy we don't know, and people go, oh, no, no, no. cool. I think this is going to be a face we've seen. I think that's going to be a very awesome reveal. And it could end in a really awesome way. I, I think there's a lot of potential for them to discuss, okay, there's ha- there has to be leadership here. I understand that the Sons of the Harpy operate in cells. They have this disjointed leadership, right? But the Sons of the Harpy aren't going to be taking orders from King's Landing. That's, they got to be no. taking orders from somebody that they know. And Dario would be the perfect leader of that group, wouldn't he be? He's in so close with Danny. It would be so easy to give these bits of information. Yes, Yes, I like it. And as you know, I didn't trust Hisar Zolarak, and I still don't. I know he's dead now, but I think this matters too. Killed oh, oh. by my main man, Wait, Jorah. I've got, no, Hisar Zolarak wasn't killed didn't by Jorah. This, oh yeah, he got killed by a son of the Harpy. But so that, here's the interest to me. I think Hisar Zolarak was with the sons of the Harpy. I really do. I think he was in too. on some of this stuff. Me too. So why did he get killed? If Dario is the person they're taking their orders from, of course Dario wants him killed in the melee, right? Right? Mm. Oh my God. This is amazing. Mic right? drop. I'm I'm really on board with this whole Dario like as a double too. agent. I like it too. Because you wouldn't see it coming. His the way he speaks of he he could go it could go either way with this guy. I, I really like the idea. I like it. It's a cool theory. And it would because just imagine like if Jorah like finds the evidence where he's like, oh shit, Dario's involved, and he's like, Khaleesi, it was Dario. And she'd be like, huh? No. Because she wouldn't even believe him. She's so like sold on this Dario thing. Well, this mm. is interesting. Mm. So yeah, there's some possibilities there, and then I that, like that. I mean, he's out with Jorah right now. Oof, poor Jorah. Mm. We'll see. Well, speaking of those two handsome dudes out <laughs> on their adventure, ah, <laughs> uh, I've been all over the world. There is no escaping men like us. Jorah tells him. Yeah, um, these two are an interesting little pair. Um, Dario is loves to like take like little jabs at. Jorah, like, isn't it frustrating wanting someone who doesn't want you back? You're romantic. That's what I'll be like when I grow old. Mm. Like, excuse me, sir. Jorah is not that old and he's very handsome. And what does Jorah say to him? If you grow old. Yeah, yeah. That could be foreshadowing, bitch. I like it. Now, that would be some subtle foreshadowing. 
I like it. Right? They both say Imagine they want to... if this plot isn't covered in your rims, that's that sword home. Bah, motherfucker! And he kills Dario. It'd Come on. That's got to get him a courtesy lay. God, I hope so. And then he could, he could die. just wrap my arm, Khaleesi. I don't want you to see. That's all, right? It's <laughs> like, I have to keep my shirt on. No, no, don't, don't. Don't wrap my pecker. Just wrap my arm, Khaleesi. Right? <laughs> That's the past. Oh, my God. Mm. Um, it's interesting. They both say they want to see what the world is like once Danny's co- conquered it, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. I'm sure they do or say they do or whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah, and uh, they see something, don't they? Now, yeah. First, we do get a little brief looking on the grayscale. It's moving on up the arm. Yeah, that was right after the if you grow old comment. Yes. Because he's reflecting on his own mortality. Yes. And then um, we see evidence of the horde. Now, some people might have missed this. I caught it on the rewatch. There is some chatter about how do you find that fucking ring? Oh, yeah. I, I, you could see it very clearly how they found it. If the you... circle from the horses. Yes. Like there they was... had a real narrow circle where she was standing and the horses tread all around that patch of grass. And he just went over there and looked and spotted it pretty easily. Yeah, it, it makes sense. There was only a small space they were actually looking in, which shows you that Danny's even smarter. She knew that the grass was going to be down. She knew they would see that and know what it had been if they went out looking for her. And in this small space that was just enough for them to be around her, you can see it. Yep. I'm okay with it. Yep. I, I know it's a stretch, but I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it, too. I'm okay with it, too. It's not It's it, It's not ludicrous that they would ride over to that circle of grass because everything else is trampled and be like, okay, they were circling something. Also, let's just throw it out there that Jorah is an amazing human being. And now that Littlefinger is apparently not in the show anymore, I have to move on, and I've moved on to Jorah. Wow, you are a fickle woman. I haven't seen him in, since, like, episode five of last season. Mm, you might I miss be. him every day, but I need to move on, and mm. it's Jorah. We'll see when He's he comes back with some master plan that puts Sansa on the throne. You'll be right back in his good graces. Yeah, I am really. Uh, well, that, that would be a good thing. <laughs> Gosh, my heart is so torn between these two gentlemen. But don't you want to touch my piss yellow tunic, Khaleesi? All right, let's move on. Yeah, don't worry in the chat. says, from one pedophile to the next. Dean, I got my eye on you. <laughs> All right. Oh, God. Let's see here. Let's go over to... Uh, let's talk about the Dothraki. Drums, baby. I love it. Boom, ba-ba-boom, ba-ba-boom. And we get the, the Dothraki horde. How I miss these people. They are savages, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They are fucking savages. So the queen's being walked. Gets a little whoop. Gets a little whip. The riders... Uh, they talk about basically like... They, um, they try to figure out what her pussy right hair there. looks like. Is it white? Is it blonde? I don't know. They joke around a little... Uh, great exterior. They joke around about forcing her to have sex with them, essentially. Come on. You guys. Everybody needs to relax. Um, I like Danny. She knows everything they're saying, and she shuts up and keeps her cool. And, and, you know, she's waiting for her moment. Yes. Which is smart. Yes. She knows where they're going to take her. I like the exterior shots of the camp. I like how this looks. This is really good TV shit right here. Mm-hmm. The, all the horses, the set, its it looks amazing. You feel, I don't know about you guys, but I was pulled right back to Cal Drogo days. I was like, oh, this lifestyle, I totally forgot about it. And uh, and it came back quickly. They did such a good job of conjuring that Dothraki lifestyle. Oh my God, I can't wait till they're all fighting for Danny because it's coming. It's coming. So the men present her to Cal Moro. All of his counselors have an opinion on her. The women are like, cut off her head. She is a witch. By the way, 
Is everybody in the Dothraki camp attractive? The women, all the guys. The answer to that question is yes. All of them. They're all attractive people. Very attractive. Hmm. He comments on how beautiful she is. Now seeing a beautiful woman naked for the first time is I think like you're doing Oberon right now. The best thing ever, bros. <laughs> now hey, I don't know what you're doing. Hey, bros. I'm just going to throw it right out. This is, how, this is my Dothraki talk. Hey, bros. Just going to throw it out there. But seeing a woman naked for the first time is the best thing ever. I just like that he says that and the other guys are like, but what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And he's like, okay, it's one of yeah. the top five best things ever. And they're like, what about killing another call? He's like, okay, pretty good. I'm about conquering a city, making slaves. I'm about breaking a horse. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but uh, she breaks her silence with fluent Dothraki. Yeah, love it. The men laugh. I, I like how confident Danny is and I like that she's not she doesn't let these people shake her. Yes. She waits for her moment. She knows that she is going to see the call. She mm-hmm. knows that that's who she needs to talk to. She knows who she is, that she is a Khaleesi, that mm-hmm. she was married to Khal Drogo, that she matters to these people. Yeah. Like her life is valued. She's not going to be made into a sex slave for all these bros. Well, at first he says, you're going to, you're the queen of nothing. You're going to make me, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm putting a baby in you, girl. Yeah. Until he <laughs> realizes, oh, wait. And that's I when know she you drops the, the millionth line. of your name. <laughs> it's funny the stuff he says. And that's when she drops the Caldrogo. They discuss his death. Forgive me, I did not know. I'm just gonna throw it out there, guys. She's way hotter when she got a little dirt on her. That 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 Khaleesi. I miss her on I miss her I miss her dusty trail horse riding days where she's kind of rough around the edges. Now she's just too fancy for you. Too fancy for me these days. Maybe that's why I like that dirty witch. I don't know. You and the witch. <laughs> there is only one place for the wife of a dead cow. This place called Dosh Kaleen, a place to live out her days with what, the other widows. Yeah, so apparently all the Khaleesis who lost their hubbies get to go live together in some temple. Sounds awful. Hmm. Sounds awful. It does sound awful. Um, what do the widows do? Just get around like Cal didn't t- kick his shoes off before they I think they probably all become lesbians, the to be honest with you. I think that's probably what they do. Okay. All right. I, I mean, see a spinoff. They're, 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 they're stuck in this temple for the rest of their I days see, together. I see a spinoff. I see a, a Burt Reynolds looking guy behind the camera on this one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just pull out her boobs a little bit. Play around with her boobs. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, my God. I don't know what's going to happen, but it sounds scary. Sounds like oh, there's going to be a lot of hot chicks in a room together. It's going to be fine. Yeah, maybe. It's going to be fine. You might be right. Well, where to now? Now let us go to uh, Winterfell. Ooh, Winterfell, she says. Um, I like Winterfell. I guess let's talk about Ramsey and Roos and all of them, and then we'll move on to Sansa. Well, we have to start with a requiem for the kennel master's daughter, who smelled yeah. of what? I don't know. What did she smell of, Jessica? This is really unfair because the next two scenes, like, there's some significant talk about four-legged animals that it's going to be really hard for me to avoid. Okay, this is your first time tuning into the Game of Thrones podcast by LSG Media. Jessica has a tendency to talk about dogs uh, more than sometimes is necessary. <laughs> <laughs> And as a result of this, they started they st- they started this thing. All of our listeners were like, how many times is Jessica going to say dog in this episode? Now, she's at a disadvantage. <laughs> Andrew Ramos is going to take shots, so we're now, good. Now, now, she's in a bit of a pickle here because we have to talk about the kennel master's daughter. <laughs> and, and there's going to be more stuff later. Who smelled of, just say it. Dogs. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. All right. I got to get a dog like barking noise on a soundboard every time you mention it. There's a problem. Okay. Because there's two things in the scene that involve that word that we have to discuss. One, 
that he talks about how Miranda was so great and she how was she was not afraid of him. This is a direct quote. I don't know if this counts against me. We'll see. It quote, counts. What could I do to her that those hounds couldn't? End quote. I'm sorry. Say what? What are you trying to say? I don't like this. It makes me uncomfortable. Mm. It seems like weirdly sexual in nature and I don't like it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. It really bothers me. Well, he does promise revenge. He's not real ceremonious about her remains. He's nope. like, you know, feed her to the what? No, you say this one. <laughs> feed her to the dogs. Barrier, burner. I don't really give a shit. No, he doesn't want to bury her or burn her because she's good meat. Yeah, he doesn't care what they do with her, essentially. No, no. He specifically says he doesn't want a grave or a pyre. She's good meat and they should feed her to, to the dogs. What? Yes. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Thank God that she's dead and I don't have to deal with this anymore. Well, he gets a little talking to by old daddy boy. Oh, my God. Can I just say something? Yeah. Bruce Bolton should just do audible books. I know. Every book he does, I would buy. His voice is amazing. It's so you could tell he's one of those like classically trained on the stage guys. His voice is so booming. He would just be just just exactly picture him in like a Shakespearean play. Not oh, like God. Mace Tyrell playing the fool. Like, I mean, <laughs> picture this guy playing Macbeth. Like he is he would be good. <laughs> Mace Tyrell, I'm telling you, he's the King Richard's Fair guy. He's the Ren Fair guy. He's Mace, the guy. Mace Tyrell's the worst. He's the guy where like you see him and you know he's wearing like a pair of like Adidas sneakers and you're like, oh, he shouldn't have saw that. Like he doesn't have the whole outfit on. You're like, fuck, you're ruining the goddamn dream. Yeah, and, and Bruce Bolton is the one right. who goes home and pretends he's still in the Ren Fair, like he's like a method actor, like yeah. he's sitting at his dinner table with his normal fucking family, like yeah. still like demanding ale or chicken Not legs or just, whatever. Just slamming turkey legs in his mouth and no forks. Exactly. Yeah. We no He's longer have Sansa Stark. We no longer have heir to the Iron Islands. He really lays into Ramsay Ooh, here. But before he lays into Ramsay, let's just point this out for anybody who is a little confused and goes by the theory that I go by, which is that you're not dead till we see your body. Stannis is dead. Mm-hmm. We were that we were given confirmation by Roose Bolton. He asked Ramsay who killed Stannis. They don't know. Roose wishes he knew so he could reward the person. Um, spoiler alert, it was not a man. So F you, Roose. It was not a man. And Roose makes it clear. Roose makes it clear that... Tired and outnumbered Baratheons are not much challenge. A reckoning will come, he says. That's Those words ring nicely through Winterfell, don't they? A reckoning will come. You ain't just whistling Dixie, bitch. A, a reckoning's coming for you and your dumb son and your fat, ugly wife and her stupid baby. You're all going to get it. I feel bad for his fat, ugly wife because she didn't mean any of this. She just got married off mm-hmm. by her douchebag mm-hmm. father. Yeah. Let's talk about the moment in the episode that really jolts us awake um do, do we point out how Ruth said that basically without sansa ramsey's no good to him and oh, he hopes that waldo's yes. having a boy yes also important it is important how long are these people going to stick around the boltons yeah oh, i think ramsey bolton might have a little bit of a run of being super fucking evil but he's got a good death coming it's coming randy you think ramsey i don't know who randy is randy what the fuck am i talking about i don't know do i make you randy do i don't I? answer that question all right Sansa and Theon, great music here. Great staccato strings. As they're running around the snow. A great shot. They got a nice boom shot of them in the in the in the river, in the snow, and they gotta go across it. And can you imagine how cold it is? And whenever Reek or Theon says he's he's Theon. I just wanted to point that out. I did not call him Reek once in my notes. This is Theon Greyjoy. He's my he's the man again. I'm I'm high on Theon. 
He's I, definitely going to die this season. I don't know who picked him in their death pool, but they made a good choice. I've seen the things that hounds do to a person. This way is better. Mm-hmm. He sure has. But was anyone else like screaming at the TV like for Sansa to take her fucking cloak off? Because all that was doing was getting cold and icy and heavy in the water. Hold it oh up my over god! Your head, it's like going swimming in jeans. Oh my god! Yeah, hold it over your head. Then when you get out of the water, you still have a warm cloak. Next time you're fleeing from the Boltons, maybe you'll remember to do that. Yeah, maybe I will. So they managed to traverse the river, and uh, or or not really a big river, maybe a stream. I don't know. I guess you call it a river. Anyway, they get to that little hobbit hole there, that down tree where mm-hmm. they hide, and you know he hugs her. He's trying to keep her warm. I think, no, it's more than he's trying to keep her warm. Sansa, he cares for her and she's yes. upset. She's worried for her life and he's hugging her as her friend, as someone who cares for her, who is there for her. And this to me had so much meaning because when is the last time someone held Sansa that cared about her? When? Right. When is the last? And I'm not talking about Littlefinger like making out with her like that one time he kissed her on the mouth. That was awesome and everything for people like me who like Littlefinger. But in general, when was the last time someone who honestly had Sansa's best interest at heart held her, comforted her? Uh, Never. What's not slice the fucking air and hold her and like be near the moon Your door. Your boy Littlefinger. Like, oh. Yeah, but even that, there was more to that. That was more like you're going to rule. You're going to get me to where I want to be. Mm. Theon has no agenda. He's like, I care about you and I want to comfort you. And I think that's meaningful. Yeah, it is. She finally got the courage to to do something for herself, which is I'm I'm leaving. I'm out. I'm fleeing this place. And as soon as Theon tosses Miranda overboard and she goes, ah, splat, that's when they know they need to go now. I mean, once they kill her, they know they got to get out of there. Yes. Well. The Bolton men arrive. The Bolton men arrive. Oh, they're coming. They're coming. Hounds. <laughs> bang in the background. Terrifying. Boy. There's got to be a point where you're sitting there freezing to death and you hear the hounds and you're just like, it's it's over. I'm done. My goose is cooked. I'm screwed. I'm captured. I'm going to get tortured. And I think that's the difference where Theon's like, okay, Sansa, you need to get away. I'm going to go distract him. And she's like, no, don't leave me. Mm. Uh, and he says to Sansa that she's going to be okay. She's going to go find John. He's commander of the Night's Watch. Right. Sad. Another bold move by Theon. Another Another deep character. Another layered character. Such a good actor. Yep. Such a good actor. Well, Andrew Brienne of Tarth. These guys show up. They say something like, I can't wait to see what Ramsey, what what parts he cuts off you this time, et cetera. And uh, Brienne of Tarth shows up and gets after it. Oh, my God. I seem to recall laying in the middle of my living room floor because seating was minimal. I remember yelling something like, oh, it's on now, bitch. And I had to sit up. Sounds about right. I got pretty excited. It was very, this really snapped me awake. I was like, damn, Mm -hmm. this is exciting. I loved watching her show up. I loved watching her put steel through dirty Bolton flesh. I loved the music. I love that Pod was fighting. I love that Theon killed somebody. When Theon picked up the steel, I I, I felt this. This can sound really corny, but I felt this love for this remembrance of House Greyjoy, like these this old house of fighters, these coastal raiders, these guys that are badasses. When he picked up the steel and he ran that guy through and he was standing there, he was, you could see him even standing. He was comfortable. It's like these old ways were returning to him. And I'm not saying it was some wonderful fight. I get it. He's malnourished and he's all fucked up, but he ran the guy through real precisely. It's not that easy to just boom, thrust through somebody's head. And uh, it was nice to see bits of Theon returning here. Uh, especially when he grabbed that steel and he was, you, there was a power shift there. He's like, now I got the For weapon, sure. bitch. Now we're in the woods. There's no rules. 
And uh, he's still, you know, shaky and in and, and damage, no doubt. But it was cool to see the precision strike and to him, for him to hold steel again. And uh, of course, Brienne's reaction to seeing Sansa, my brother's like, she's going to kneel. Oh. He called it. She kneeled, and it was great. This gave me goosebumps, and rewatching it, I felt the same way. This, to me, packed like such an emotional punch of Brienne kneeling down and swearing her loyalty to Sansa. Sansa accepting it, and the way Sansa accepts it, she first. This is the first thing. So Brienne kneels, she swears her loyalty. I have goosebumps. Brienne has like fucking tears in her eyes, and what does Sansa do? She, she returns the oath. No, she does something else first. She looks to Theon. Yes, and he nods that is a great to her. Point. And again, this shit matters. This matters. You know why that matters? For so many reasons. But if you think back to Theon's relationship with the Starks, it's a little complicated. He was taken almost like as a ransom person after the rebellion, but then Ned cared for him as a son, right? Right. He's essentially her older brother. Yes. And her brothers are all dead. So she thought. She hasn't had anyone in a long time. She looks to him. Do I trust this guy? Do this I gal. trust this gal? Which which is a huge nod to, to, to Theon and what he's done for her yes. to this point to get her out of there. And, and she's cute when she gives a speech and she doesn't know it exactly and Pod helps her. Of course he does. You know why? Because that fucking kid is, that kid comes from the Tywin Lannister school. Knows how to swing a sword. Knows his heraldry. Knows his oaths. Kid's a professional, right? He's a Tywin era, smart dude, big dick, handy with the steel kid. I right. Yeah, don't let that pass. Anyone? Is this thing on? <laughs> Go ahead. You say what you need to say about pot. Are you good? Yeah. Okay. I like this foursome hanging out going forward. I I I didn't love the Brandon Pod show when it was just Brandon Pod. Really high on these four together. I think that this could be great TV. I think it'll be really good. I I love Sansa's reaction to Brienne and Brienne's to her. The two of them meeting and deciding that they were going to help each other. It's, it's, there was just something very wonderful about this. And I love Bran. I'm a huge fan of Bran. I really love Sansa and I never used to. And Sansa is very quickly becoming one of my favorite characters on the show. Hmm. And I really have a lot of hope that she is going to do great things. And I think that this is a season where we're really going to see this stuff. Yeah. It's like the, uh, that Alexander, uh, uh, what's that book? Who wrote the, uh, man in the iron mask? Dumas. Yes. What was the other book he wrote? Count of Monte Cristo. Yes. You, you, you're just waiting for the fucking revenge, the whole book, right? For him to get out of the prison, for him to... That's what you're waiting for for her. You're just waiting for her to have her moment so badly. Mm-hmm. Any victory is such a big celebration because of what she's gone through. And, and really? Brienne killing the Bolton troops is such a huge victory just for Sansa. You feel so good for her. Yes. Like, yes. I really thought she was done. When the, when the Hound showed up, and the Boltons showed up. I thought she's going back. Brienne's going to have Stannis. They're going to be. A, there's going to be a trade. There's mm-hmm. going to be something stupid like that. And then when they all got wiped out, I was like, "Yes, baby, yes." That that was perfect because then we're not doing this, you know, fuckery with Stannis still being alive. And I, I really liked how this this played out. And I'm very excited to see these four together going forward mm-hmm. and where they go next. One hundred. And I wonder, are they going to head towards the wall? Where else are going to go? But isn't that where Theon said they should go? North. I could certainly see them headed north and headed towards the wall. They're mm-hmm. already in Winterfell. Why not? Why not? Isn't that the place to go? Yep. And then do, do we have Sansa getting involved with Davos and these? I. It, you know why? You know really why she has to go that way? Because she can't. 
she could go, I guess, what it would be, southwest and try to get to the Vale, but she can't even do that because she can't trust that Littlefinger doesn't send her right back in exactly. the interest of politics. Exactly. Right? She has to go north and hope to run into her brother, John. Exactly. It's wild. Love it. So where are we? We are finally back where we left off at the end of last season with a dead John Snow. Love this. I love the dirge for Don- John Snow, that wolf dirge. Me too. That howl in the night. It's very sad. Signaling the death of a companion. Uh, and it just keeps going on. I love this exterior Doubles shot. Hears it. I love this exterior shot. We track in slowly on dead John Snow. And one of the things I like about this is this. You know, a lot of times people say, you go to a wake, you know, you make your kid go to a wake so the kid can see a dead body and understand that that person's never fucking coming back. Yep. I almost feel like they were doing this for Game of Thrones fans. We're like, he's not dead. So he's like, dead, but okay. Oh, he's dead. Look at him. They I mean, he's zoom dead, in on his but corpse, he's coming back to life. Popsicle, drained of blood, fucking stiff body, dead. The boom comes way in. We see him dead. Uh, obviously, Davos is like, what's going on? He runs out there and... Before we get to Davos, I do want to comment on this because I read this article as well and somebody brought it up in the chat is there is this these theories about the blood in the snow looking like a wolf. And then once his body's gone, it looks like a dragon and there's all that stuff going on. And I I must mention it. He there when when Davos comes over and drags him away, there are um, people. When he's still laying there, it looks like there's a wolf. And when he's dragged away, it looks like a dragon. I didn't spot the wolf. Oh, I definitely saw the wolf. But when Davos comes out, forget about what you see in the snow. Think about this for just a minute. Davos lingers and looks at the snow for a second. If you watch the episode again, when when he says, help me get him inside to the men, Davos says this. He stops and he looks at the blood for a minute. Davos has seen blood. He's seen men die. He's not remarking at this poor kid's blood has been spilled, this great man. I mean, yes, he's thinking that, but is that why he lingers on this weird image in the snow? Is it wings? Some people say it looks like dragon wings. Ooh, what is it? You know, uh, I think it's I think it's fascinating. But I like that the show almost had to give you a wake for people to realize he's, he's stone cold dead, right? Yeah, but not for long. I still don't... I- End of episode three. Doesn't matter for how long. Episode three is going to close out with Jon Snow somehow being back to life. But he's dead right now. Everyone just needs to accept sure that. Sure he is. Well, men drag him in and uh, they start to talk about things. They discuss loyalty. Who do you trust? Well, only the men in this room, the men say. Yeah. And they're correct with that. Thorne did this. I mean, that's, they know. Yeah. And this guy's name, God, I hope it's Ed because Dean told me that was his name. And I don't remember. I, I think that's what it is. Um, but he closes Jon's eyes. And he says that he knows it was Thorne. And I like I don't I like that emotional moment. These people care about each other. They went to battle together. It's more than just the commander of the Night's Watch was killed. We were betrayed. Oh my god, this is stress. This is his friend who was murdered. Edison Tollett, most commonly called Ed or Dolores Ed. Yes. Yeah. Well, Davos asks about the wolf. We're gonna need all the help we can get. Yes. And then the red woman arrives. Melisandra. And boy, does her face say it all. Remember when we all thought she was yes. very shaken because of Stannis? This is even worse. Her her confidence is an all-time low because she says she saw him in the fire fighting at Winterfell. Basically, like, it can't be. And Davos doesn't know what she saw, but he's definitely not fighting in Winterfell anytime soon. No. I can't speak for the flames, but he's gone, he says. Liam Cunningham is outstanding. Great actor, this guy. Yeah, you know what? I haven't been high on Davos prior. I know that you love Davos, <sighs> but I really, as you know, for a long time. 
for a long time, I really didn't like Stana, so I didn't like Davos. And then I liked Davos when he was like bros with Shireen. I was like, oh, he's kind of a cool dude, but he's no Jorah Mormont. But now I'm really, I like, I like what is happening here. Him getting in with these Night's Watch people. They're going to get the fucking wildlings, which I know are not that part yet, but you know what I mean? I like this. Mm. I like Davos being like, okay, my king's dead. Um, I got to fucking do something here. Yes. Let's talk about the Night's Watch meeting. Oh, my God. So many people I want to murder in this scene. Loyalty is the foundation on which the Night's Watch is built, he says. Oh, it is. Is that why you killed your Lord Commander? Because that's not very loyal, right? Yes. He goes on and on to talk about... Uh, he goes on about how they've all we've all given our lives. Jon Snow was going to destroy the Night's Watch. He gave them the land in which they've reaved and raped and murdered. And he goes on to talk and about... And Ollie's like, yeah, yeah, that's right. He's like, Fuck yeah. you. I have never hated a, a child more in my life than I hate Ollie. Did that kid grow up like four years? He oh looks like God, a teenager I now. I wait till Jesus. we see Bran again. Oh my God, if we think Ollie looks like he aged a million, like Bran's five gonna, years. Bran's going to be as big as Hodor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's ridiculous. I hate Ollie. He's the worst. What he thought I was right would have been the end of us. The end of us. How do you know, asshole? Well, Alistair seems to have some conviction here. He thrust a terrible choice on us. He goes on and on, this whole thing. Now, let's talk about this. Part of me thought this is completely and utterly unbelievable that these people would just accept this. But the other part of me remembers that the people at the wall were not really high on Jon Snow for some of the choices he made, that he was not really popular, although he was tied with Alistair for the folk. That's the whole point. Is he was popular enough to become commander of the Night's Watch, so more people should be in his corner right now. Now, the other thing we have to remind ourselves, and I know sometimes we don't do this, but the Night's Watch is made up of... A bunch of douches. Murderers, rapists, thieves, and people otherwise who want to escape from whatever fucking shit they got going on in their regular place to get to this wall. It's, it's been known that these are these people, right? Right. Now, part of me wonders, are they just easily led? Are they just easily swayed by a powerful rhetoric? I mean, let's face it. Alisher's a smart guy. Maybe yeah. the bulk of the Night's Watch just ain't too bright. And they're all like, you traitor, blah, blah, blah. And then there's this whole rhetoric, and then they pick their nose and like, oi, maybe he's right. Maybe we should pay attention here. What do you think? Right? I mean, is it that? Is that, are they just easily led? Is it maybe? I mean, I'm is, sure it, some is it most people... of John's guys got killed, and this was mostly Alistair's crew, and that they're just mad because it was a treason? And I mean, there's a lot of cause for them to be upset. But I could see. I mean, I guess we're just supposed to accept that Alistair has has swayed them with his rhetoric. I guess. Hmm. Guess we'll see. No. How do you feel about it? I feel. I feel like there should be more people opposing Alistair Thorne. I can understand that there are people who vote for John that have changed their mind. Sure. Since he went off and he brought back a bunch of wildlings and wanted to give them land and people don't like that. But I would still think there would be more people in the Jon Snow corner. I'm going to throw yeah. it out there. I feel like they're not. Like some of these people might just not be that bright. And I could see Thorne getting away with this, at least in the short term. Because let's face it, Thorne convinced the other commanders, the other, the other ranking rangers to do this. And they did. And, and now the other guys need to fall in line. And when Alistair immediately comes out and admits to killing John, he says, yeah, I killed him along with so-and-so and so-and-so and and these other, the people he's talking about, pay attention. The guy sitting next to him to his left, when he brings up his name, whatever it may be, the guy looks down and he's embarrassed. Mm. Like he's like, he probably did this thing in the heat of the moment and was like, what the fuck did I do? Mm -hmm. I killed the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. Yeah. Alistair Thorne is also intimidating. 
I think if you don't fall in line, you might be concerned that you're going to get got. You know what I mean? Just like how Stannis' people waited to the middle of the night to run away after he burned his daughter alive? Yeah, because they were fearful of him. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 they I deserted can, him. I mean, I you burn your daughter that. and you're gonna you're losing some troops here. Yeah, but it's, you know, they waited till the middle of the night and they snuck off. And maybe that's the situation here. People are afraid to go against Alistair Thorne. He murdered the commander of the Night's Watch and he got people to help him do it. Mm -hmm. That's fucking scary. It's scary. Back on Davos, who says, you know, we need to fight, but we don't need to die. Okay, uh, I have to say something about a dog. Can I say something? Oh, dog. Everybody take a shot. Because when the scene starts, Ghost is like nudging John's hand and crying. And this, as you know, how I feel about <laughs> animals was very emotional for me. And it made me really sad because Ghost was really sad. I know. It was very sad. And I it had was to adorable. say something about it. And hopefully there's no more of this for the next like five episodes. If you call him a dire wolf, you could probably get away with one. I don't think so. Ask the chat. They're really, really stingy. With uh, any canine? <laughs> any canine and you're fucked I, yeah I definitely can't say that word that was already said in the chat that that's not allowed okay well I find myself I'm trying to think back on a time where I didn't agree with a choice that Davos made and I can't come up with one I feel like he's always making the smart choice he's always trying to advise in the proper capacity he did it with Stannis who didn't listen and now he's saying we, we have to fight but we don't have to die in other words we're not going to charge out there and go out in a blaze of glory killing Alistair Thorne we're not doing that we're going to be smart and I'm like yes be smart fucker he tells the men there are others who owe their lives to Jon Snow and that's when Ed is like alright I'm going to go first of all I think that's risky they know Ed is so close send one of the other knuckleheads True. those guys are going to grab Ed and he's done unless he's slick and gets away True. I like this this is exciting to me you're not the only one to owe your lives to Jon Snow Alliance with the Wildlings going against Alistair Thorne I'm really into this. I really like Tormund Giants Bane, as I'm sure I've said before. I can't wait to have him and Davos being bros and just going after people I hate and murdering them. Mm -hmm. Really excited about this. Absolutely. Because Alistair. they are going to kill people and they're going to do a good job of it. Oh, yeah. And they're going to kill Ollie and it's going to be great. Because remember when they killed Ollie's whole family and not Ollie? Oh, I bet they regret that shit now. Or are they going to try to get out of there? Are they going to try to slip away? The wildlings? No, no, not the wildlings. But oh. I mean, Alistair and his... The, uh, not Alistair, but... Uh, this crew here, because he confronts them in the room. They're locked up in there. Oh, yeah. No, I'm telling you, they're going to kill those guys with the help of the wildlings, and I can't wait. Feel pretty good to watch Tormund Giants Bane kill Alistair, right? Can't wait. <laughs> so, Thorne goes to where Davos is locked up. He offers him amnesty and a horse, and Davos just drops the, how about some mutton? <laughs> I love Davos in the scene. I, you know what's so smart about this line of dialogue? The request is as ludicrous as the promise, mm -hmm. and that's his point. Right. He's saying, dude, you're such a fucking liar. Oh, really? Throw some money in. How about a bag of gold? Right? You know, how about a beautiful young woman? Like, you're going to promise me everything? You're a liar. You, you guys are going to cut us to ribbons as soon as we open the door. We all know that Alistair is not short on treachery. And that's why right. the mutton request is so great because I'm not much of a hunter, he says. Um, so they talk a little bit more and then they start to discuss the red woman. What can she do against 40 people? And Davos is like, you haven't seen her do what I've seen her do. And nobody's seen her do what she's about to do in this next scene. <laughs> and she's there. Now, a question came up on Facebook. I don't remember from who. And it was, is the red woman, because one of the things Alice just that says is you can take the red woman or leave her here. Is she, is this, is this place they're locked up in like big? Does that have a separate room where she's been the whole time? Or is she wandering around? I think she just does what she wants. I feel like maybe she was there the whole time, like in the other room where this bedroom is, where she, where she has her big reveal, or did she come back? In other words, is she wandering around Castle? That There was a question about that, and I don't really know the answer. I don't really know the answer either. Um, she's not in the same room as them or connected with them. She's somewhere different. You don't think it's in the same building? Maybe it's in the same building. Where they're all locked up? Maybe. 
I don't know. It's kind of weird, actually. Because for Alistair to say, you know, you can keep, I mean, they would have already grabbed her if that, if, do you know what I'm saying? I feel like I they agree. would have already, You're right. based on the fact that he says that. I was so distracted by her old woman boobs that I totally didn't realize that that doesn't make sense. So, yeah. yeah. I think it's because they drag him into that area and I think there's just a bedroom off to the side and that's where she is. Must be. She, I don't think she ever left. I think she's locked in there. With Since them. she first came into the room. Okay, yeah, that makes I, sense. Maybe. I don't know. No, that makes more sense than anything else. Again, a little touch on the editing, kind of like the whole thing with Tristane. Yeah. Um, I don't like this laziness, people. Big uh, reveal here. Yeah. So let's talk about the red woman taking off her necklace and then being the old lady and crawling into bed. What the fuck's going on, Jessica? I don't know the answer to that. And I'm going to tell you my immediate assumption. The very first time I'm watching in the first second is that this necklace gives her some type of power that makes her look the way she looks. She takes it off. She's a fucking old lady. That's who she really is. However. However, I know there's a scene of her naked in the bathtub with no necklace on. Correct. I already looked at her boobs on the internet today and I know that that is the case. Oh, I did too. (laughs) Well, who did? I did. The young boobs. Yeah, I don't know if it is the necklace for the simple fact that she's been seen naked without it before. Uh, that was just the immediate, the way it worked where she took the necklace off and then she was old. It was edited in a way that it seemed like you were supposed to think that. Right. Which is fine if that's not the case. And I'm fine with that too. I think it's directly relating to her faith. Okay. I think that her faith in the Lord of Light has a lot to do with the prophecies that she's been given and the things that she's seen. The fact that Stannis died shook her faith. Yes. It knocked her down a peg. She sees Jon Snow truly dead, and she's shaken up again. And she says, but I saw him fighting. Like, what is going on? She's being put through a, a, a crucible of faith here. And I like that. I like that we're seeing the Red Woman have some kind of obstacles for her personally. Because before, she was just a mysterious person always ahead of you. I know shit you don't know. I have all the answers. I'm mystical. You know, I get my own little theme song. Now it's, I don't know. Maybe there's, maybe, maybe there's, maybe this faith, her being shaken up has, has drained her of some power. Maybe, maybe this is happening and she has to sleep and rest and she's going to wake up and be her normal self again. Or maybe not. Maybe she's going to be an old fucking hag from here till eternity. Maybe, maybe this is, this is happening. I, I don't really know, but I feel like her appearance is tied to her faith. I, Very possible. I, I don't think it's the necklace. I don't think it would be. That seems too. That but seems you can too. See yes, by watching it, how that's the it, assumption. The, to yes, me. because the charm glows red as she unclips it, and then her her nice, you know, thirty nine or whatever year old boobs become eighty nine year old boobs, and you go, yeah. "Whoa, shit, those are way hotter." Oh, no, no, I didn't say that. Just playing. No, but I I feel right. Yeah, I um. So I assume like in something in the chat said that on there was like the inside the episode. Oh, Kelly B said that on inside the episode that they play at the end. If you watch on HBO Go, she's like 400 years old. Unfortunately, I almost I always watch inside the episode and I did not have time today because of when I got out of work and when we were podcasting. So I did not see that. But if so, that's interesting because my impression was that, too, that she's truly old and the young facade is just what she puts for her for magic. Right. I also have read theories that people think that she was giving away years of her life to like resurrect Jon Snow, which sure. Ooh, that is fucking dope. I have some interest in that theory, to be that honest with cool. you. That is cool. But if they're saying, if the, the people that are involved in the show are saying, oh, she's actually 400 years old, then that doesn't work, right? Yeah. Because that to me, because that was my second thought, is this has to have something to do with resurrecting Jon. 
Possibly. Because that's that has to happen. I'm sorry. It has to. There is no other way around it. Jon Snow has got to come back and it's going to be Melisandre who's involved in it. I don't care how many times the internet tells me I should read an article called Jon Snow comes back and it's not because of the red woman. Because I don't like that article and I'm not reading it. All right. So let's there, there's a there's a question in the chats uh, about is she a necromancer? In other words, the in chat, I think Karen's asking, is she a necromancer? Meaning how how does she have this power? What what you might not remember is, is that there was a red priest named Thoros of Mir in the early seasons in the Hound kills Beric Dondarrion and the priest resurrects him on the spot. Thoros of Mir did this by way of the Lord of the Light's magic, Lord of the Light, blah, 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 bring him back, magic, magic, magic. Beric Dondarrion wakes up. Now, Thoros of Mir has resurrected him seven fucking, or five or seven times. He's been killed by both Cleganes, which is hilarious. The mountain killed him and the hound killed him. Yes. Right? And he's been resurrected. And that's when they were fighting to determine, I can't remember what they were fighting about, but he ends up killing Beric Dondarrion in that cave and Thoros of Mir wakes him up. He, he resurrects him. And then they showed, this, this, this has been cropping up when we thought, okay, Jon Snow's going to die. Oh, shit. Um, is she going to resurrect him? Is that going to happen? The fact that it wasn't something considered immediately makes me suspicious. Mm-hmm. This idea that she's trading her... Maybe she doesn't have the same powers as Thoros of Mir, even though she's a red priestess. It's, Maybe it's, it's very possible. We don't know. She has powers in other ways. Maybe he got the resurrection charm and she got the vagina smoke baby charm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Right? For sure. So I like it. Nando Stark in the chat says they never come back the same. And I that is the intriguing part to me. That's what interests me is that's what I want. I want Jon Snow to come back and not be exactly the same. I want him to be a little bit less. I want him to be something different. I I like that idea that maybe now he's going to go and declare war against the Boltons and he's going to do crazy shit. Right. And I remember specifically, yeah, Arya was asking, Arya asked Thoros of Mir, you know, can you, what about when somebody's heads get cut? She, she mentions, can you, re-, and essentially the conversation, I don't remember the details, is can you, could you resurrect my father? In other words, you know, Ed Stark, whose head was chopped yes. off. And he's like, I don't think it works that way, girl. It's a sad moment. Yes, right? very sad. Now, Jon Snow's body's still whole, and I wonder if she could resurrect him. I feel like she would have told them, listen, give me time. I'm going to, he's going to return. But she's shaken. She's beat up. She goes into the bedroom. She's, she gets old. She, her faith is shaken to the core. She, she crawls into bed to lay down at this time. She's tired. Mm-hmm. Maybe she doesn't feel strong enough like she can do it and she needs to rest. Maybe, maybe there's this thing where this, ma- if she is old, maybe this magic does keep her young and she lets it go. She, she, to, to rests. I'm going to rest up. I'm going to let go of my beautiful form. I'm going to relax. I'm going to lay in bed as an old lady. My magic's going to get fucking powerful. And then I'm going to resurrect this dude. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe. something going on too. I don't know. But it was a really cool reveal and shocking. When a, when a show can shock you without killing somebody, they're doing a good job. That's what I like about Game of Thrones. It's not shocking is, yes. is when somebody, people dying should not be the shocking plot point in your TV show. I like that. Holy shit, she's old. That's shocking and it starts a whole conversation. What's going on? That's so weird. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. I love the speculation out there. I think it's great. I'm looking forward to what actually happens. I'm very intrigued for the things to come. Me too. So that concludes the episode, doesn't it? 
I think it does. I think it does. I think that we are going to get to our final thoughts. But before that, I think we are going to do a couple listener comments. So why don't we cue the music? Jessica, why don't you go first with your listener comment this week? I would like to read my listener comment. And then I would also afterwards, after listener comments, I have another segment I need to add before our final thoughts, which is the um, Deadpool segment, which my comment has reminded me of. Deadpool segment. Boo doo doo doo. So do we need to go to the page? Oh, I have that. I have it up. I'm you ready. have it up. All yep, right. I'm ready with the Deadpool. Um, now, special thanks to this commenter, John Marginson. John Marginson, I know outside of this place, he is a friend of ours. Uh, I don't see him much that these days, but I used to see him quite a bit when I was younger, and he was younger. And uh, he is handling the admin responsibilities for the Game of Thrones LSG fan page where you guys can go and chat and have a good time. That's where we're pulling some of these comments. So special thanks to John Marginson for organizing our Deadpool, for taking anyone that's admitted these Deadpools to us and, and, and stack ranking them. I mean, he sent Jessica a whole Excel spreadsheet. It was amazing. Great job, John. I really appreciate your creativity and your go-get-it-ness. That's what we like at LSU Media, baby. So we did him a favor this week, not just because... He helped us out, but because he has fucking great thoughts about Game of Thrones. Yeah, and about, I would again like to, about the Deadpool. I asked if somebody could make a list of everybody's picks, and he literally wrote everything down. He made an Excel sheet. He's keeping track of who's alive and who's dead, of who got the most votes to die. It's awesome and very, very helpful because I really want to keep track of this. I'm really high in the Deadpool for the season. Right. So John is the best. I'm going to read his comment now. I like the episode a lot more the second time through. Once stripped of the hype, I was better suited to take it for what it was. I'm still pretty nervous about Dorne. I've seen some people say they're tying the star off the storyline, but I can't help but feel that the showrunners actually doubled down. Thoughts? Yes, I, I think they have. I think they're saying, all right, to make Dorne relevant, we need to we need to mix it up. And I think he's right about them doubling down. I'm, I'm with him with that. I think that that's what they're doing, too. Um, Davos's motivation was clearer to me the second time around. He tells the loyal brothers in reference to Thorne, boys, I've been running for men like that all my life. With Stannis gone, he's got nothing to lose. He's done running and wants justice for a good man's murder. Mm, yeah. Edit Davos. Um, I realize why I like the Sansa Brand scene so much. Not only does it mirror Brand's pledge to Kat, is an instance where good faith is actually rewarded. Brand once again offers Sansa her sword, but seems doubtful she'll accept after being rebuffed earlier. After getting a nod of approval from Theon, Sansa reciprocates and recites the same vow her mother used, and Brienne quietly beams with accomplishment. Just reading that gave me the chills again. I love that scene so much. Um, leadership is something that always moves the needle for me, especially when well-meaning people finally encounter someone worth following. I'm pretty yes. excited to see the little bird become a wolf this season. Me too. I also quickly know, oh, the name of the director, which I'm not going to be able to pronounce, Pod Swa, I don't know. It's too complicated for me. Uh, the director. Um, it was brilliant how after Sansa and Theon cross the river and huddle under the fallen tree, the camera starts pulling back and we feel poised for a fade when suddenly we hear the hounds approaching. Mm -hmm. Great little piece of misdirection that didn't come off as some gotcha moment. And by the way, that does not count as a reference because I was reading someone's comments. It counts. Shots around. Both these moments illustrate what excited me the most about this season. After watching the good guys, or at least those who most closely approximate the phrase, routinely suffer and die at the hands of gaping... This <laughs> is... <laughs> Decency finally seems... What was that? Can you say that again? Poised. Stay on the mic. What are you saying? Decency finally seems poised to strike back. Not that it'll be all sunshine and rainbows, but you get the idea. Lastly, Slow can read down. this last paragraph, please? I can't. I have my own comment. Go ahead. 
Lastly, between ghosts, mournful howls, the bulls and hounds, and Ramsey feeding Miranda's body to the dogs. Two I'm shots. anxiously awaiting how many dog references Three Jessica shots. drops tonight. You guys are getting fucking hammered right now. <laughs> Thanks, John. Nice attaboy, John. <laughs> Great shit, Thanks, baby. Dean, for letting me take that one. You yeah. take the one that probably doesn't say that word a million times. I, I set her up, guys. So I'm just going to reveal to you what happened. So we were running close to seven, and Jessica was wrapping up her episode watch. And I was like, hey, do you want me just to organize the listener comments? I'll print one out for you, and you can read it. She's like, yeah, sure. So of course, I print that one where John makes her say dog three times. So you guys are you're, you're welcome, fuckers. All right. Mine is from Tony Piccolo. Tony Piccolo is in the chat. House Stark remembers. Thanks for joining us on the chat. And Mr. Piccolo, thank you for your comments. And little side note, Tony Piccolo is part of the 501st, uh, which is that really cool Star Wars group uh, of stormtroopers. And they go do all kinds of awesome shit, lots of different charity, take pictures with kids in stormtrooper uniforms. So I just want to commend Tony for that kind of stuff. It's really awesome. Uh, They seem like a cool bunch of dudes. All right. Tony's got a lot here. But that's why we only read two comments these days, because when we see the big ones, we want to go after them. Now, he says, nine deaths to start off the season, five nameless Bolton soldiers, uh, the Master and Dorne who delivered the message that led to the deaths of Prince Doran, uh, Hota, and Prince Tristane in that order. As soon as I heard the episode start with the sounds of a wolf, I knew immediately that Ghost was not happy about any of that for the watch shit. Surprised, Alistair came out and admitted to the treason, but I guess it's his way of validating the deed that was done uh, etc. Now, the kennel master's daughter became food for the hounds. Savage as fuck, Ramsey. There, was there wasn't even any meat on her bones. <laughs> That's true. Stay away from her hip bones. Them fucking razor blades. Yeah. Still not sure how Sansa and Greyjoy were able to run. That fall should have shattered their legs full time, four times over. Sloppy fuckery. Maybe. High snow drifts. You never know. But yeah, what do you do? Podrick was paying attention during Brienne's combat lessons. And can we talk about Brienne's face when Sansa accepts her? A.K.A. tiny hallelujah choir in her head. Speaking of bright shining faces, Cersei's Christmas morning look when she sees the ship bringing her daughter back home is pretty heartbreaking, even though I hate her. (laughs) I literally shout at my TV screen, it's a golden shroud. So I think my wife is going to have me checked into a mental hospital. Hopefully they have HBO. (laughs) (laughs) So this brought us to the fuckery. I don't understand. How are two sand snakes on the boat with Tristane when they wave goodbye to the ship from their pier in brightly colored see-through sundresses? I think we talked a lot about that already. So I'm going to move on to his next paragraph. I missed Varys so much. I'm glad to see him back. And with Tyrion, I expect their time on screen together to be some of my favorite moments of season six. Red Priest and Marine, Harbor of Fire. We didn't even talk about the ships being burned. Oh, yeah. How do we miss that? Thank you for Mr. Piccolo here. Holy shit. They burned all the ships. Hey, guys. Sorry about your Navy. <laughs> Only a huge fucking thing that happened. Whoopsies. Whoopsies. So, yeah. We're too excited about Dario being evil and a double agent. Yeah, we're like, fuck yeah. those burnt ships. Let's talk about Dario. Really, I really went off on a tangent of imagining Jorah plunging a dagger into his chest. That's so beautiful. Well, I blame the Lord of Light. We are talking about the faceless man being Serial Florel. Ooh, or Florel. Serial Florel. What if it is Sirio is the faceless girl training blind Arya? Mm. Maybe. That's wild. Night's Watch says, what's a redhead doing against 40 men? Thought Sir Davos would say, you haven't seen a pissed off redhead, have you? <laughs> Glad to see the old queen from Snow White is back acting. Yeah, no shit, right? 
<laughs> I like how everybody has a reference for who she is. And like, Melisandre needs to sh- sell these magical youth necklaces to the old woman of Westeros and become the next Donald Trump. It'll be terrific. Final grief. Show runs. Uh, show credits run nine minutes fifty six, combined with nine oh nine on the opening credits. That's forty seven minutes of show. All in all, I'm excited for season six to continue to deliver. Sorry for the link of this. Maybe me taking notes is a bad idea. LOL. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> I don't know. I just made it musical at the end there. Mr. Piccolo, thank you for your thoughts. They are very good. All right. Can we do the Deadpool update now? Yeah. All right. Here's our Deadpool update. I'd like to start by saying that Dean and I, all our people are still alive. So we are both failures. But we do have two people on the board in the Deadpool. Um, we I have, told you I'm a slow starter. I'm a little older now. so we, we do have people on the board. I finished strong. Number one is Damaris Perez, who picked Tristan Mar- Martel to die, and he did. But beating her out and currently in first place in the Deadpool is Maria Kirby. These two are sisters in an, a and pretty tight Maria, battle. Maria's here. Yeah, they're both here, I think. Yeah. Um, Maria picked Doran and Tristan to die, and they both did. In order, by the way. In order. And I would like to point out that Tristane only got two people who picked him to die, and Doran Martell only got one. So they did They did good work, these ladies, because I do have a list of who was the most popular people picked. By the way, number one is Tommen Baratheon with nine picks, followed by Alistair Thorne with eight. Wow. Um, just so you all know. Damn. That's some witchcraft right there. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I mean, obviously, Dean and I have our own Deadpool for glory and bragging rights, but the total death pool, I think we're going to have to come up with something to do for the winner. There's going to be a prize, but I'm not going to announce it yet. Oh, you know what it is already? I have some thoughts. Okay. Just making sure we're going to take care of that. So that's the story on what's going on with the yeah. Deadpool. House- oh, actually, can I say one thing about the Deadpool? Yeah. Because uh, I know- Can we just give three cheers for House Triani? Cheer, cheer, cheer. Okay, go Let's ahead. Let's do it. So there's someone in this Triana, chat, Triana. and I would like to tell all of you um, what their death pool picks are because they're ridiculous and they don't count. I'm going to read them anyway. Go. Joe Pulcini, who's in the chat right uh-huh. now, this is his Deadpool. I want to let you know. There are some real people on it, which is the good news. He picked in the following order. One, random northern peasants, two through 12. Not one and not 13. <laughs> only two through 12. Two, hungover Night's Watch member. Just one hungover Night's Watch member. Three, Alistair Thorne. Reasonable. Four, Kevin Lannister. Reasonable. Five, all remaining sons of the harpy. So I don't know how Joe is going to pull off this victory this season with these people because random peasants two through 12 might be tough. I like it. But he's he's going he's going all in. You got any more? That's, that's it. So there's right. top five. Can you do me a favor? Can sure. you tell me, is Dario appearing anywhere? I can tell you how many picks Dario has right now. Um, one person picked Dario. That's it, huh? Wow. And I could find it, but that would take me more time to figure out who actually picked him. But I do know he has one pick. But that's it. Just one. If the person who picked him is in the chat, just tell me so I can stop scrolling. Yeah. That doesn't matter. I just was well, curious as to how many he got based on our crazy theory today. Only one. But now if I could go back, um, maybe I would have picked him instead maybe of Maybe you would. Do, 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 do. Well, I guess that's the episode. Yeah. Let's get to some... Uh, how about this? Tell me, Jessica... How does this stack up with premieres? When you watched it a first time, you were really high on it. When you watch it a second time, how do you feel overall about this episode? I find it to be a similar to a lot of premieres where it's you do a lot of setup and you check in with everybody because you need to check in with everybody. And I know like nine people died, but I do feel like not a ton happened on the second watch. We were just setting up like, here's where everybody is now. I like the stuff of the Night's Watch a lot. I like the stuff with Sansa a lot. 
some of the rest of the stuff was really just set up, like putting our pieces into place for where we're going to go this season. And for nine deaths, not a lot really did happen. Yeah. I think uh, I I was thinking about this question as I was thinking about how I was going to ask it of you. And one of the things that I was thinking about was, you know, if these guys are just in a room writing a story and writing page after page after page after page, it's one thing. But they have this whole break to consider. So people have been waiting for a long time. So the expectations for what's expected out of the episode change a little bit. And that almost corrupts it. Like, I feel if you had every episode of this show from the first episode to what will be the last episode and you just watch them sequentially, that you would not be as annoyed with this episode. 100%. If you watched it directly after the one before because so much shit happened. And, uh, you know, that's just the burden you have when, from a production standpoint, you have to strategically plan the way you release your content. Yes. But overall, I really liked it. Now, I will admit there is, they, they lingered on some stuff. They had to tell us about everybody. But it was enjoyable to me. I Maybe it's just, for the simple fact that Game of Thrones is back and I'm ready. Yes, it, it, I liked it. I didn't dislike the episode. Yep. I, I still liked it. I was glad we got to see everybody, even though it was just for a little while. Right. Except for Bran, because I didn't really need to see him. So I'm cool with that, too. But, but it did linger. It did, it, did, it did putter a bit. It puttered a little bit, no doubt. But I am looking forward to it. We are going to return next week and uh, do this again live. We will get you updated as to when that's going to be. I think we're going to be recording on a Monday. And it's probably going to be a couple hours later than this one. Yep. I think we're going to do a 9 p.m. next Monday. So stay tuned for the information on that. I will let you know on the Facebook page as well as the website ASAP. So mark your calendars. And uh, thank you, everyone, who turned up for this. We are going to bid you good people adieu, uh, close out of this, and uh, we might we might hang in the chat for uh, for a minute or two to just say hello and uh, and things like that. But thanks to everybody who uh, showed up this week. It was a blast. I had fun. Jessica had fun. Tell these people goodbye. Bye, guys. Thanks for coming out and listening, and yay for Game of Thrones. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for checking out LSG Media's coverage of A Game of Thrones. Make sure you check us out on the web at libertystreetgeek.net. That's libertystreetgeek.net, where you can see other shows we have like The Walking Dead and the Science Fiction Film Podcast. All right, folks, we will catch you next week. Have a good one.